0: In a midterm season that stands out for its flashy candidates, it's Herschel Walker's and Mehmet Oz's, it's John Fetterman's and J.D. Vance's, consider Colorado. Colorado is a blue state, but it's got an independent streak that gives Republicans a flash of hope. And if I asked you to name the candidates for Senate there this year, my guess is that you could not do it. Go ahead. I'll wait. All right, all right, I'll help you out. The GOP has nominated a newcomer named Joe O'Day. He is taking on incumbent Democrat Michael Bennett.
1: He's been a senator for 12 years, and he's, you know, inside the Capitol. He's not, like, doesn't have a reputation as a nobody. Like, he's a pretty active senator.
0: Slate's Jim Newell? He's going to be our guide to this race.
1: But back home, you know, some people in, in Denver are talking to Democrats were saying, He's fine. <laughs> that was the quote, the very understated quote that really got me. We're fine with Michael Bennett. That
0: was a political person, a voter?
1: That was a voter, yeah. I. You know, what? what is it that you like about Bennett? Um, you know, he's fine. So I. he's kind of, you know, even back home, he's kind of generic Democrat.
0: Jim went to Colorado to figure out whether Bland might be tipping over into vulnerable. Democrats have been worrying about this seat openly for a while now. During primary season, they poured money into ads that boosted the most extreme Republican in the race. The idea here was that a Trumpier opponent would make things a little easier for Michael Bennett. Politician Joe O'Day is not who he says he is. O'Day says he wants to rein in government spending, but he supports Biden's $1.2 trillion spending bill. And before running for Senate as a Republican, O'Day actually supported Democrats and even gave money to Michael Bennett. When Joe O'Day, the more moderate Republican, won the nomination, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell smelled blood in the water. He said he was all in on this race. These party machinations made it feel like anything could happen here. Yeah, you mentioned how when you showed up to cover this race, you ran into another political journalist who was like, so you're doing the this race is going to be closer than you think story too. Like, basically, this was like what reporters were doing.
1: Which was like a punch in the gut, you know. Do you think that's the right frame for this story? I don't think it is. I think it's, you know, what's kind of gone wrong here. And I do want to leave the caveat since, you know, at the ever-present risk of having egg on my face on Election Day, something could happen. You know, I mean, the polls could all be 10 points wrong, although they're not usually in Colorado. But, you know, if you look at the polling average, O'Day is down by about 9 And so I wanted to do the, you know, the the next step after this is a sleeper race and being like, well, why, you know, why is this race still asleep?
0: Today on the show, what are the limits of the Republican midterm wave that may be about to sweep Washington? In Colorado, Jim Newell got some answers. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around.
1: The Democrat in
0: this race, Michael Bennett, is running for his third term. He's been in office since 2009. That's when he was appointed to fill a seat for an incumbent who was headed to the Obama White House.
1: And he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a superintendent of uh, Denver schools. It was not, I think, the pick everyone expected.
0: Is he charismatic?
1: I mean, he's nice. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's been interesting to watch him develop because I actually do have to remind people because I really think a lot of people will forget. He ran for president in 2020. My
0: plan is to run for president. I appreciate your letting me come here to announce that. I think this country faces two enormous challenges among others. One is uh, a lack of economic mobility and opportunity for most Americans. And the other is-
1: He didn't get very far. He eventually, a tactic he tries is saying, if I'm president, You won't think about me for weeks at a time, which was, you know, kind of a good contrast to Trump for a certain amount of people. But it also it tells you a little bit about Michael Bennett, like I'm the guy who's going to run on being boring. So he didn't get very far. But, you know, he's running for a a third term here, a third full term. He's working. It's a different Colorado, though. I mean, it's really a lot bluer now. So, you know, that is (laughs) that has helped him quite a bit.
0: You say it's a lot bluer. And yet, Republicans still saw a potential to win here. So, tell me about Joe O'Day, the Republican candidate.
1: Yeah, Joe O'Day, I would say, was you know almost drawn up in a lab by the National Republican Senatorial Committee, as he as he often says, he's not a career politician. He has a construction company. Uh, this is his first race that he's gotten into, and he's running as you know the the aw shucks, I'm just a businessman. Campaign.
0: My campaign's been focused on one issue, and it's inflation, inflation, inflation. They're listening to my message
1: because that's what they're talking about on the kitchen table.
0: O'Day describes himself as the Republican Joe Manchin,
1: and he supports. He's you know hitting the Republican advantages really well, but also while trying to kind of separate himself from the national Republican brand by saying, "I don't like Trump. He shouldn't run again. I'll campaign against him in the primary if he does." On abortion, he's put out a bunch of ads saying, you know, I I support abortion rights up to the first five months of pregnancy. He supports same-sex marriage. When I saw him, he was talking about how he wants to pass a version of the DREAM Act. On immigration. On on immigration, yeah. While also, you know, fixing the border. So he's kind of hitting every poll-tested message for a state like Colorado really well.
0: So he's not like a hard red. He's more of like a soft pink.
1: Yeah. And, you know, crucially also for him, he did not go off the deep end in the primary. You know, there were subtle differences here or there. He said in the primary, you know, abortion should maybe be allowed early in pregnancy. He didn't spell out a time period. But he's not one of these guys who's had to completely scrub his website once the primary ends.
0: Well, abortion, it seems like, has become a very central part of this race, partially because of the candidates and partially because of Colorado? I mean, obviously, Dobbs has made abortion a central issue just about everywhere. But Colorado in particular, why is this issue so salient there?
1: So this was another question I I wanted to figure out going out there, because you've seen abortion, even though it's still Dem's main message, it's still their big motivator. Just as I was going out, there was kind of where The backlash of Dobbs was receding a little bit in salience. It was falling behind some other issues like inflation, the economy again, in importance to voters. So I wanted to see even in Colorado if that was the case. And it does really seem like there it's still, I'm not going to use absolutes and call it the death knell for O'Day, but it seems to have really put him behind the eight ball in a way that's really hard for him to to recover from.
0: Well, and partially that's his own fault too, right? Like, didn't he support an abortion ban a few years back?
1: Yeah, so even though he took this position that, you know, I I will allow abortion up to a certain point, you know, investigative reporters found out that he had signed a petition for an abortion ban that was on the ballot in 2020, this Proposition 115. And that allowed abortion up to, I think it was 20 or 22 weeks. But afterwards, the only exceptions it allowed was basically for life of the mother. It didn't have rape, incest, or fetal health exceptions. So he signed a petition for that and voted for that. And, you know, when they asked him about it, his response was pretty bad. He said, well, I didn't read all the nuances of it. Not great when you're going to go make laws. Yeah. So, you know, in a state like Colorado, which is blue, which has a long history, as one of the first states to liberalize its abortion laws, they passed a pretty sweeping abortion rights legislation through the the state legislature earlier this year. It's pretty unrestricted throughout pregnancy, too. So, you know, that was passed overwhelmingly. And then that that proposition that O'Day had supported was defeated pretty overwhelmingly. So what Joe O'Day had done in signing that petition and voting for that, I mean, that gave Democrats basically what they needed to say: this guy's an opportunist, he's changing his tune on everything. Don't trust him. He'll be another vote for Mitch McConnell to ban abortion if he goes to Washington.
0: Huh. So when you went out to Colorado and followed these candidates on the trail, how are voters seeing
1: all of this? So voters, I, you know, again, at Democratic events, it was not like people were bringing, you know, Michael Bennett photos to have him sign them or something (laughs) like Bennett. He gets up and he speaks for four minutes at this rally with a bunch of other candidates. The people I'm talking to, you know, they're saying it doesn't matter what O'Day is. He's a Republican. A Republican will do terrible things and bend over for Trump. We just need to support Michael Bennett. You know, it just wasn't that they were excited to give him another uh, six years. We could change the world. It was for democracy's sake. We have to stop Republicans from taking power. What about Republican
0: voters looking at O'Day?
1: You know, they all seemed fine. I think they were mostly just, we ha- We really do have to take back the Senate. He's going to get, what, 80, 90% of Republicans. But each little percent he can't get because, you know, they, they either think he's too liberal or whatever, and they might blank the ballot or vote for the libertarian candidate. You know, that could really matter in a close race.
0: After the break part of the Republicans' problem in Colorado. It's not their candidate, it's the candidate he's running away from, Donald Trump. To run a competitive race in Colorado, Republican Senate candidate Joe O'Day made a bet that allying himself with Donald Trump would blow his chances. This bet was based on actual data O'Day won handily over the MAGA candidate in the Republican primary, but as this race has gotten down to the wire, O'Day has faced pressure to say more about the Republican in chief, and he did that a few weeks back. We need to move the country
1: forward, so it, I do think movie... Donald
0: Trump should run again. I'm going to actively, I'm going to actively campaign against Donald Trump and uh, make sure that we've got four or five really great Republicans
1: right now: Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. That's when Trump jumped in and Trump said maggot doesn't vote for stupid people with big mouths. Good luck, Joe. Yikes. I mean, it's yikes, but it's also maybe this is good for O'Day if he if he's trying to get moderates to, sh- to have this kind of official declaration that these two do not like each other. On the other hand, then you have conservatives on the other end you have to worry about who are like, OK, Trump hates this guy. I'm just going to I'm going to blink the ballot.
0: You said that. Like the Republicans on high, like the Mitch McConnells of the world, they have like hearts in their eyes for Joe O'Day, this Republican candidate. How did they respond when he got into a beef with Trump or when Trump beefed with him?
1: I don't think Mitch McConnell said anything of any value, you know, like they have to kiss and make up. Like, you know, he would just said Joe O'Day's a great candidate. We're going to win.
0: So it's interesting. It's like this candidate. It seems like Republicans in charge like him specifically because part of what he's doing is steering the party away from the MAGA wing. But then when you kind of run the ship into that iceberg, they're like, Oh, you gotta
1: fix it. Sorry. I mean, they might be perfectly fine with O'Day beefing with Trump. It's all just a kind of a tricky numbers game, like you, you know, you get hit in one side and then it helps you here, but you know, it's kind of a back and forth. But the other question is You'll be able to tell how much they think he can actually win by how much money they're putting in. And national Republicans haven't really put in a ton of money, which suggests, you know, they don't actually, they don't necessarily think he's able to pull it off.
0: And in Colorado, Trump voters actually have an alternative to Joe O'Day, a libertarian candidate. Jim went to talk to this guy, says he's pretty straightforward about siphoning off Republican votes.
1: He was pretty blunt with me. He's not saying I'm going to win. But he I think he could get, you know, mid single digits uh, in the race, which could really hurt O'Day if it's close. And, you know, he was making the point to me. He says, I can't win. But what I can do is, you know, make a point that determines the election result. And he is he was saying, I'm intentionally trying to be a spoiler saying to the Republican Party, if you go too far in the moderate direction, we will take your base from you. And, you know. I don't know how much of the base he can take. But polling averages, he's at like 5% when he's included. So there, there is a chance he could actually adequately make that point. If enough conservatives are pissed at O'Day for his abortion stance or for feuding with Trump and just generally being, you know, a rhino, then he could take enough that makes the difference.
0: In some ways, looking at your reporting and especially that conversation with the Libertarian candidate. I really wasn't sure how to feel about this race just as an American citizen. And I say that because if Joe O'Day won, it would at least give the larger Republican Party an excuse to moderate their positions. I mean, you can't be sure that they'd do that. But I think if Michael Bennett wins, the Democrat, for Republicans, like being anti-Trump, like that's not a thing anymore.
1: I kind of think of it as a kind of dream state for Democrats after the Trump administration. You know, it's a state that, where all the demographic changes have worked out for them really well. There are no other states that quite have profiles like this that they can just take as complete successes after the Trump administration. They're still grinding it out in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, where it's probably still trending red a little bit. Nevada, too. And so I think it's almost an oasis of where things have worked out well for Democrats. And, um, you know, the Republican is learning that even with really favorable conditions, it just might not be open to them anymore.
0: Yeah. It strikes me looking at these two candidates and thinking about what this race will actually measure – Like, in some ways, I feel like this Colorado race, it's going to be a measure of party discipline more than anything else, because both candidates aren't super exciting. Like, neither candidate's very exciting. And the voters you spoke to, they're talking about creating a voting block. They're not talking about this person. And what's interesting to me about that is that a lot of times people say, like, that's the right way to vote. Like you should be voting on issues, not people. And that's kind of what makes this interesting. Like it's going to be a measure of how much the parties
1: can do in this place. Right. And I think I think for Democrats, what they've done well is just locking down partisan loyalties. It doesn't seem like O'Day can kind of get the oxygen he would need with moderate Democrats or swing voters being a Republican in the age of Trump, and that's that kind of shows how much Colorado has changed. This is one of the states where, you know, between 2016 and 2020, I think Hillary Clinton won by five points in Colorado and Biden won by 13. You know, a lot of the growth in Colorado is coming from college-educated whites who are the biggest growth for Democrats right now and the biggest growth for Democrats under Trump because these are voters who might have gone Republican in the past, but then were just so... Turned off by him. Trumpism has just it's it, it almost is like it's cut off Republicans from winning statewide. It, it's almost it's almost like they can't even, in a good cycle, get through the fact that the brand in this state, with the demographics it's had, been completely disrupted by Trump.
0: Jim Newell, I'm super grateful for your time.
1: Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Jim Newell writes about politics for Slate. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, go show us some love by joining Slate+. Plus. You know how to do it. You go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus and you sign right up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Delshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips, Jared Downing, Tori Dominguez, and Colton Salas. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. I'll be back in this feed tomorrow. Talk to you then.